Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Um, you've had to deal with off-field distractions uh, your entire career, different things that have happened. I know. Do you believe that? <laughs> yeah, you know, what's the best way of handling this? What kind of advice do you, do you give your teammates about you know, just blocking out that noise? Yeah, I've had lots of different things over a period of time. So I think what you always got to think of is the, the, the work that is ahead of us. And uh, the more you think about things that happened a year ago, five years ago, you know, it just takes away from what we're trying to do this week. Tom Brady slipping back into robot mode yesterday, conveniently. Didn't want to talk about his former teammate, guy who went after him on social media yesterday, along with Alex Guerrero, Brady's partner in TB12, and then Antonio Brown tried to walk it back. They finally have walked Antonio Brown out the door, not literally because he never showed up at all this week, but released yesterday, four days after Coach Bruce Arians said Antonio Brown is no longer on the team. He finally and mercifully is no longer on the team. Peter King still on the team here with me today for the next two hours. Plenty to get to because it is the final week of the 2021 regular season, the first time we've had 18 weeks since. And I've asked pretty much everybody else this throughout the course of the week. When's the last time the NFL had an 18-week regular season? Peter King. I don't know yet. I I have no clue. Has there been one? There was one. 1993. Oh, that's right. There was a two-by-week year. That's correct. Networks hated it, so it never happened again because it diluted each and every week by stretching everything by one more week. I still think there's a chance that comes back someday as they try to get more windows, fewer games, more windows, maybe be more teams at some point down the road. Who knows? Gambling is going to drive that bus. But uh, is it is it too late to say Happy New Year? If it's the first time you see someone and it's not yet January 8th, one full week after New Year's Day, and it's the first time, because it's the first time I've seen you. Is it permissible to say Happy New Year? I got Happy New Year the other day, Mike, so yeah, you can say it. It's fine. I I think that was, how late did Elaine get Happy New Year on Seinfeld? I don't know, but Jerry responded by saying, I once got Happy New Year in March, so (laughs) I, 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 uh, I know that uh, our January seventh is certainly permissible, Mike. All right, that's good. We're, we're we're still within the range. So happy Friday to everyone out there as we get you ready for the 18th and final week of the regular season. And I know from experience, and Peter, you've been doing it longer than I have. Once that regular season ends, everything gets crazy with the coaching changes, with the preparation for the playoffs. Everything feels different. Like we shift into a different existence for the National Football League once that final game ends on Sunday night, and it's just a couple of days away. One thing we won't have hovering over us this weekend 
is the Antonio Brown saga, as I mentioned, officially released on Thursday by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, technically waived anyone, regardless of experience, who is released by a team after the trade deadline must pass through waivers. Teams have until 4 p.m. Eastern today to make a claim. I'll be stunned, beyond stunned, beyond, beyond stunned, if anyone makes a waiver claim on Antonio Brown. He then becomes a free agent. And it's come up from time to time. I don't know what anyone's going to do. And it's going to be really strange. And this is the thing that I've had a hard time reconciling all week, Peter. Because on one hand, I feel like the Buccaneers were slow playing this to limit the opportunity of someone else to pursue him, someone that they may face at some point between now and Super Bowl 56. On the other hand, everything we hear from Antonio Brown's camp, and it took a few days for them to get a story out there for us to digest, it's not like he's able to play anyway. So I have no idea what's going to happen. And then on top of that, hey, you got to be willing to do business with Antonio Brown. So I still think it's an uphill climb for anyone to take a chance on this guy, knowing on the other side of that coin full well Super Bowl rings are permanent teams have needs teams take chances guys get second chances and second chances and umpteen second chances I still think at this point it's going to be a surprise if anyone makes a move for him what about you Mike I I won't be shocked if somebody brings him back you saw the uh, tweet from Josina Anderson uh, the other day which said that there are teams interested. Um, Personally, I think that's a disgrace. It's just a disgrace. Antonio Brown doesn't need football. Antonio Brown needs help. And, you know, to, uh, to continue on this road, how many more people, just, just a question for anybody who would say, oh boy, I'd take Antonio Brown in a second. How many more people who went to bat for Antonio Brown just to get stabbed in the back. How many, how many more people want that treatment, you know, that he gave to John Gruden and Mike Mayock in Oakland, that he gave to Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh? Uh, he wasn't in, he was in New England less than he, uh, it took to put cream in the coffee. So who, who, who could he screw over there? But what about Bruce Arians? who saved his job after he committed a federal crime. He saved his job with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And how many more people will Antonio Brown, and then, you know, the the sideways jabs at Alex Guerrero and Brady, how many more people have to get stabbed in the back by Antonio Brown before they learn, I don't care if he's a cross between Jerry Rice Steve Largent, Don Hudson, (laughs) Marvin Harrison, and Cooper Cup. We are not taking this man on our team. It's it's a total disgrace for any team that would consider taking him on their team. Hey, I don't disagree with that. I do think back to early September of 2019 when after a complete reign of terror in Oakland, because, yes, the Raiders were still there at the time, kids, with the frozen feet in the hyperbaric chamber, with the, not hyperbaric, but something baric, something really cold, the helmet situation. He refused to wear cryogenic, an yeah. approved yeah. helmet. Yeah. yeah, cryogenic, hyperbaric. They knew who we, they knew who we mean. Uh, the issue with the helmet that went on and on and had a hearing at the league office. He got into it with Mike Mayock, posting things on social media. He kicked into the same overdrive he was in this week, trying to tweet and Instagram his way out of town, and it worked. And when it happened then, Peter, when it happened then, the same day, Bill Belichick is, Antonio, knocking on his door, ready to sign him. Now, that was two years ago, and he's 33 now, and he's got this ankle issue. But, but, here's the other side of the coin. Years from now, when we are reflecting on who won Super Bowl 56, are we going to be thinking about the baggage that Antonio Brown brought to the Kansas City Chiefs, for example? Or are we going to be saying, wow, the Chiefs overcame a horrible start to the season. They had flaws. 
on offense. They didn't have a receiver, for example, across from Antonio Brown, who, or excuse me, Tyreek Hill, who could do pretty much of anything. Uh, and uh, they ended up climbing the mountain because they added this guy, Antonio Brown. How did they get Antonio Brown? Boy, they got Antonio Brown late in the game, and he made all the difference in the world. And, and you know, for a team that still doesn't have that Sammy Watkins across from Tyreek Hill and uh, has suffered for it, that's the one I'm watching. And what do we know about Andy Reid? He's got no qualms about giving people second chances. He's got no qualms about looking the other way. I'm not, I'm not making a judgment. I'm just saying it doesn't, it doesn't bother him. You bring a guy in, you make it clear, one false move, and your ass is out the door. And of course, we heard that last October as well, but time you know, can change that view. We're just talking about a short-term deal with the devil here. That, that's, you know, again, those Super Bowl rings are permanent, Peter. Can't take them away. And, and the lure to get that thing can be very strong and could cause someone to overlook a lot of stuff if they think it's going to help them get that ring that they covet so strongly. You said that, I believe you said either Andy Reid or, or some team, uh, you know, has no problem giving people second chances, okay? This, is, this would be his fourth or fifth chance. And every place he's gone, with the exception of New England, where he wasn't there long enough to uh, torch the place, every single place that he's been, he has torched the place. Why, why, why would you think of this? Especially if Antonio Brown is to believe his ankle is so injured right now that he might not be able to play for nine months, never mind nine days. I mean, you know, he comes out of uh, supposedly a meeting with a doctor in New York who says the following. And they go over this long list of things that are wrong with his ankle. Well, first of all, how does somebody who's got that much wrong with his ankle, how's that person able to run off the field the way he did in the Meadowlands? One question. Second question, how is a person that injured able to be ready to play football soon? I, well, I, but I don't, but I don't he's not get that injured. at all. But that's the point. That's the point. Whatever it is, hey, and he, he made it clear he took a, short, a Toradol shot on Sunday to at least get him through the first half of the game. And, you know, there's skepticism about, is he really injured? How injured is he? Now that he's finally agitated successfully for his release from the Buccaneers, that, that, that just becomes a detail that gets glossed over. And you mentioned second chances. Peter, the Chiefs have had on the roster for 11 games this year a guy who's had more second chances than Antonio Brown. It's a different... But Josh Gordon but, hasn't torched places. I know, I know. Josh I know. Gordon has I, done it to himself, yeah. not to his teams. I know. He was blazing I mean, something it, very different. It's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. Well, the key is you don't have Antonio Brown long enough for him to even strike the match. It's a very short-term rental. That's the key. And if he comes through the door with the clear understanding that if you even look at me in a way that I think has any type of malice or mischief, mischief, mischief. I was trying to say mischievous and mischief at the same time, so it's almost a simsism. But uh, if he has any malice or mischief in, in his demeanor or anything, you're gone. You're gone. We, 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 it's all football. We're focused on trying to win a championship. If you're on board with that, fine. I, I'm still saying even then, it's a hell of a risk. But the allure... My question is, though, thing. Mike, let me ask you this. Here, here's my question. Let's say you are Clark Hunt. You're the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs. And Andy Reid and Brett Veach come to you and they propose that we sign Antonio Brown. I'm asking you, I'm asking you, what do you say if you're Clark Hunt? It's, it's felt pretty good the last two years to get my hands on the trophy named after my dad. That's what I say. Oh I'd like to God. do it again. You know, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I, I'll, I'll, I don't know. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I'm being facetious, but but I would say make your I case. I hope so. That's what I would say. I would say make your case. I would say make your case. Because if the pros outweigh the cons and, and it enhances our path, especially, Peter, coming off of what happened to them in Cincinnati, it's all the more reason for them to be thinking – Boy, we get. We, not only did our defense fail to adjust and adapt to what the Bengals were doing 
on Sunday in the second half. Our offense got shut down and held only three points. Boy, it would be nice to have somebody we could count on other than Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in our passing game. Someone we could count on consistently. Someone who could take advantage of all the attention that's given to Hill and Kelsey. You, you let Antonio Brown run around out there on single coverage, bad ankle or not, it could, it could make a difference. That's I, Hey, I... I I've had a challenging week with this because on one hand, I know Antonio Brown has done and said things that you could argue should disqualify him from ever playing in the NFL again. On the other hand, I I still think every player has rights under collective bargaining agreement, and I feel like those rights were being disregarded by the Buccaneers in a variety of ways, all, all in the name, I believe, Peter, of never having to explain to Tom Brady why his quest for an eighth Super Bowl ring ultimately was derailed by the presence of Antonio Brown on some other team's roster. I truly, that's the only explanation that makes sense. Remember we were getting that song and dance Monday, Tuesday, and even into Wednesday. Oh, they're talking to the league office because they don't quite know what designation to use. I mean, they eventually just cut him like they cut every other guy that they ever cut on Thursday. There was no mystery to this. There was no high-level analysis that needed to be done. They said Sunday he's not at the team anymore. And then when the dust settled on Sunday, they're thinking, hmm, if he's not on our team anymore, he could be on someone else's team. The Packers? Rams? Rams are interested in everybody, it seems like. Chiefs? Those are the three teams I've been thinking of all week. Chiefs, first and foremost. And you never want to be the one to explain to Tom Brady, well, you know, we would have won the game, but they got this guy wearing number 81 who had 10 catches for 152 yards and two touchdowns because we couldn't cover him and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. What are we supposed to do? We got a good defense, but it ain't that good. That's what they want to that's what they wanted to avoid. Whether or not they ultimately avoid it, different issue altogether. He's not playing on my team ever. He's not coming back anywhere, you know, a thousand miles within my uh, close to my organization, close to my team. If you want him on your team, go ahead, take him. It's it's your funeral. <laughs> or, 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 or it's your or it's your parade, as the case may be. That's the thing. That's the balance. It could either go very, I'll very, tell you very, what, very if poorly. It's, if it's your parade, or, or if it's your parade, if it's your parade, it'll be with black crepe paper. That's all I can say. <laughs> right. it, uh, the black crepe paper. Finally was was trotted out by the Buccaneers yesterday. Let's hear from Bruce Arians, who had no choice, Peter. He was very selective in the things he said after the game on Sunday. He said some things to Jay Glazer, said some things to you, said more on Thursday now that he was under direct assault by Antonio Brown's camp for allegedly pressuring Brown to play while injured, allegedly doing the throat slash gesture when he told Brown he's off the team. So he had to get into some more detail. Here's Bruce Arians from Thursday. Obviously, we let Antonio go today. Um, just to clear you up on some things that happened. At no point in time during that game did he ever ask the trainer or doctor about his ankle. He never went through. That's the normal protocol. You go through protocols during games. I was never notified of it. So, obviously, that was a, the disturbing thing when we were looking for him to go back into the game. All right, we always had, uh, he was very upset at halftime about who was getting targeted. Got that calmed down. Players took care of that. It started again on the sideline. We called for the personnel group that he had played in the entire game. He refused to go in the game. That's when I looked back and saw him basically wave off the coach. Um, I then went back, approached him about what was going on. Uh, I ain't playing. What's going on? I ain't getting the ball. That's when I said, you're done. Get the F out of here. And that's the, that's the, that's the end of it. And uh, we, are work, we are working on Carolina. That's the end of the story. And um, hopefully it ends today. He was asked about the throat slash gesture, and he said, well, if, if that is a throat slash, then that was it. You know, pointing, basically, get out of here. Th- there were several things that struck me in what he said, and there was a little bit more in the follow-up Q&A that we may get to, but that was the first time that 
anyone from the Buccaneers acknowledged why Antonio Brown left during the game. He was told to leave during the game. He was told to leave during the game. That gives the reaction that everyone had a different perspective because we thought for four days he took it on himself to leave during the game. Bruce Arians said he told him, get the F out. And look, that doesn't change the final outcome in any way, but it definitely would would have changed if we had known that as he's doing these things we see on screen, Peter, he had been told by his coach moments earlier, get the F out. I mean, there there is a portion of this story that now begins to make a slight amount of sense. I'm not saying a lot of sense. You know, taking the uniform off, throwing it in the stand, throwing the the t-shirt in the stands, jogging off the field uh, while the game is going on. Uh, you know, whatever. I it, it's all it's all theater. It's all theater. And you know, I'm I feel pretty sure that Bruce Arians when uh when Antonio Brown had never said anything to the trainers or to anybody, according to the Bucks. Now, who knows? But according mm-hmm. to the Bucks, that he never said anything about being injured to the trainers or to anybody, and then just said, I'm not going in. With the added evidence that evidently, and we'll see if this is true, uh, that he's angry at halftime about not getting enough targets, about not getting the ball enough. So, you know, look, I, all I can say is this. All I can say is this. Every time there is a nuclear war with Antonio Brown, every time, in the days afterwards, Antonio Brown says something, and everybody says, "Oh, wait a minute, let's let's give AB his uh, his you know his his side of the story. Let's do it." Why is it that when it's a nuclear war, it always involves Antonio Brown? Why? why? <laughs> sure. I wonder why. Well, because you mean, well, you, well, mean Peter. You, you think he's yeah. What? They had, their, they had their chance three weeks ago. They had their chance. After he committed, as you said earlier, yes. a federal crime. They had their chance. But why did they not tell him, get the F out then? Because he's good at football. That's because the ultimate thing. Because he hadn't exploded. Thing. He had not imploded yet. That's why. He was always going to be on the Bucks After that happened, he was always going to be on the Bucks until he imploded. And he did. He imploded. And so now he's gone. You know, when when the guy who is your big protector, who says, hey, listen, Bruce Arians, one strike and you're out, Antonio, one strike and you're out. And then he commits a crime and falsifies a vaccination card. And Bruce Arians, the guy who had to okay you coming on the team in the first place, and then looks the other way when you falsify your vaccination card with an 83-year-old man, Tom Moore, on the coaching staff, with Bruce Arians, a three-time cancer survivor, 69 years old, your head coach, the, he, he looks the other way and he says, Antonio, stay, stay, stay. And this is how, and again, I'm not saying Bruce Arians is blameless. I'm not. But I'm saying that it is a disgrace that again, Antonio Brown blows up, you know, walks off the field, whatever. And then we all say, well, wait a second. Antonio Brown's got a great case here. It always happens this way. It happened at the end of his time in Pittsburgh. It happened at the end of his time in Oakland. And, you know, when are we going to see that maybe you should not let the fox in the hen house? When are we going to get that message? And, Peter, I firmly believe that three weeks ago, one of the reasons why they welcomed Antonio Brown back after he committed a federal crime and was suspended three weeks by the NFL and hadn't played since week six on a Thursday night against the Eagles because of that ankle injury is they didn't want him to land somewhere else. They didn't want him to play for a team that they were going to have to compete with down the stretch. And even though Bruce Arians is the one who made the decision – This was always a bus that was being driven by Tom Brady. Remember back even before they ever signed Antonio Brown? Bruce Arians said, I don't want him. He was with him for two years in Pittsburgh. I don't want him. 
I don't want him. And then you got him. We didn't get him because you had some sort of an epiphany on the road to Damascus. You got him because you got a quarterback who is the de facto owner of the team. And I say that jokingly, but at the same time. And because. Go ahead. Hold on. Hold on. And because they were totally beat up. They were totally beat up at the receiver position. True. They had to they were sign bringing him back anyway. one or two people. They did. Anyway, I'm just saying that it wasn't only because the quarterback wanted him. They had a need at the position. And, right. hey, look. Look at what happened last year. You know, he was a, from all uh, reports, he was gold last year. You know, he never said a word. He was fine in inside the team, all that stuff. He was absolutely good. But, you know, again, you can only keep the lid on the dynamite for so long. You only need to do it for a month. That gets back to my other point. You only need to keep the lid on the dynamite for a month if you're Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. But I got two more important things about what Arian said yesterday that we need to address. The first is this, Peter. The Buccaneers never, ever, ever should have given him a contract that had incentives that were tied to receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. When the Rams signed Odo Beckham Jr. earlier this season, they made a genius move. His incentives are all tied to how far the Rams progress up the playoff tree and how much he plays. It's being on the field. It's not having the ball thrown your way. You don't need that for any player, especially a receiver. You don't need that extra complication of a guy who's out there playing And, you know, every receiver always thinks he's open, no matter where the ball goes. If it goes for a 90-yard touchdown, hey, man, I was open. That's how receivers are. I was open. I was open. I'm getting open. I'm beating this guy every play. What are you doing? I'm open. I'm open. I'm open. And you throw on top of it a financial incentive that he is getting closer and closer to reaching and hasn't been able to play as much as he'd like to because of the injury and the suspension that he probably thinks is all bogus anyway, and I didn't do it, and he's got some cockamamie excuse for that as well. And then Jason Light told Shefty yesterday, Jason Light, the GM of the team, that Antonio Brown and his agents approached the team last week asking that the balance of his, of his incentives be guaranteed. See, he didn't want to carry that baggage into the last two weeks of the regular season. He had 10 catches for 101 yards a week before the implosion. He didn't want that issue on his plate. He didn't want that stress, that worry, that money dangling, and he's only got so much power over whether or not he can reach it. I can run my routes. I can get open. I'm going to play with this ankle injury. I'll shoot up a tour at all. I'm going out there to try to get these incentives, and he's not throwing me the ball. I'm not excusing any of it. I'm saying you create the atmosphere where dysfunction can happen by putting those incentives in Antonio Brown's contract. Of all players in the NFL, the two that you don't want to put those incentives in their contract is Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham Jr. The Rams did the smart thing. The Buccaneers didn't. Yes, in retrospect, obviously. And, you know, but did you say that when they signed the contract in the first place? I don't even know that we knew the incentives in that. And, of course, it looks stupid right now, without any question. But it's easy to look back at something like that right now and say, oh, that's an idiotic thing. And I've course, expressed concern Jason in the Light, past I'm about, sure. I've expressed that concern in the past, but I didn't do it. I checked yesterday. I didn't articulate it when we wrote about Antonio Brown's incentives package. And I regret that because I've had that thought in the past that that's a poisonous element. It's antithetical to team to have a guy who's in a position late in the season where he's worried about getting his incentives. Remember last year, Tom Brady fed him the ball and fed him the ball and fed him the ball to get him a quarter of a million dollars in the incentive package that he had in 2020. I I mean, look, you know, Jason Light learned something here. You know, I think he probably learned a lot of things here. And, 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 you know, obviously in retrospect, you wouldn't give him individual incentives because they turn out to be poisonous. Uh, but again, all of this stuff, all of it, it, it just, I mean, I'm not saying I knew that this was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen. But the odds are that there is going to be an implosion that's going to really hurt your team if you bring Antonio Brown on the team. And Mike, you know, you're absolutely right. The Super Bowl is five weeks away or whenever it is, five and a half weeks away, okay? 
Could you possibly, could you possibly do something to make Antonio Brown happy for 38 days on the road to the Super Bowl? I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. But really, what would it say about your organization to bring Antonio Brown onto the team? Tell me. What would it say about your organization? Oh, well, we want to win? I mean, really. You know, I can say a lot of things right now about, you know, how far would you go to win? Really, how far would you go to win? And you saying, well, the ring is permanent. I don't care. If somebody brings him on the team and he plays great in the playoffs and he plays great in the Super Bowl, I will always think of that team, always, as a team where the uh, where I don't think very much of that team going down the stretch and winning a Super Bowl with Antonio Brown on it. But everything he had ever done in his career up until the past five weeks with the fake vaccination card and whatever it was that happened on Sunday, all that was on his permanent record when the Buccaneers signed him in the first place and brought him back as a free agent and now there's after more, his contract there's more expired. But, but he's come back from worse. More evidence. He's done worse. He's done worse, and he's come back from worse. The question is, how much gas is still in the tank and how healthy is he? That's the other side of this balance. How much is he really going to help me? Because, Peter, the Chiefs got Tyree Kill on the roster. I mean, I know time, the passage of time, and the absence of further incidents causes us to kind of deaden and desensitize. Tyree Kill admitted, admitted, and I know there are questions about whether or not he was taking the fall or whatever. I mean, I, I, get, I get peppered with that all the time. He admitted to doing some pretty heinous stuff, and the Chiefs drafted him. And he admitted to doing some pretty heinous stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm not defending Tyreek Hill. I'm not defending Tyreek Hill. All I'm saying is that look at Antonio Brown's record. Just look at his resume, football and non-football. And you tell me right now, Tyreek Hill's resume and personal past is one-fourth of Antonio Brown's. And what has Tyreek Hill done in the last few years? I mean, not very much. And, and since he has been on Kansas City, you know, he's, for the most part, for the most part, basically totally stayed out of trouble. And that's why, in my opinion, I can't, I can't, I mean, look, if you want to equate them, equate them. But they're totally I'm not, I'm not equating stories. them. I'm not equating them. I'm just saying yeah. that we're talking about a 38-day arrangement, as you said, with a coach who, once upon a time, gave a contract to a quarterback who spent two years in Leavenworth for dogfighting, didn't have any qualms giving him a second chance, and that's all forgotten a decade later. It's almost like it never this happened. This is it's not amazing. a second chance. It's a fourth I, I or fifth chance. I understand, but Peter, well, sometimes I mean, the second chance, but sometimes the thing you do to get the second chance is a hell of a lot worse, and I think we can stipulate to the fact that what Mike Vick did is a hell of a lot worse than anything that Antonio Brown has it ever is, done, although he, spent, he, was he, accused, he was accused of rape. We just don't know whether or not he did it. That would be worse. So, right. can't, so when, when Michael Vick gets out of federal prison, do you say, all right, Michael Vick, you, know, you don't have a right to do your job anymore? You know, you don't have a right to do your job anymore. I, I don't, no, you don't say I don't that. Think you, you don't say, say that. that. You don't say it to Antonio Brown I don't think either. You say that. That's my point. Yeah. My point is. Yeah, my, there's my, been plenty not, of evidence that I, my I, personal he, choice, Antonio Brown is free to do, and all these teams, there's 28 teams out there that are free to do whatever they want. They can go sign Antonio Brown. They can play him. I'm just saying I think it's a disgrace if anybody does. Okay, I did not think it was a disgrace because I am in favor of a person who has done his time, who has been quasi rehabilitated, you know, who's worked with Tony Dungy, who has who has done, I think, everything society could have asked him to do. And then is genuinely repentant about what he did. I totally supported Michael Vick getting a second chance. He should have gotten a second chance. I do not support Antonio Brown getting a fourth chance. The only reason I'm mentioning these names is these are individuals that Andy Reid has not turned away. And 
I find it hard to believe that after all of these various persons over the years, and if we sat down and thought about it, I'm sure we'd come up with more. We mentioned Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, and I know his issues are different, but he's had umpteen second chances as well. And he's been on the team for 11 games, on the field for 11 games, five catches for 32 yards. This is production-based, and if Andy Reid believes that everyone deserves however many second chances they're able to secure with their talent, and this is a guy who can help us win, and I have that well listen, you know, well listen. If I have that well listen conversation with him on the way through the door and make it clear to him, we'll throw him out. We'll throw him out. And we're going to mean it. We're not going to just huff and puff and say you screw up one time and you're gone. We're going to mean you screw up one time and you're gone. It, it, it could be the difference between getting your fingerprints on a Lombardi trophy and not. And that, that's the analysis that the Chiefs are going to have to engage in if they're the ones or one of the ones that may be having those thoughts as they try to find somebody who can get open and catch passes across from Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. One last point about this. As it relates to the whole question of whether he was or wasn't injured and what they did and didn't know, this to me has become an affront to common sense. Apart from the fact that they knew his ankle was injured going into the game. Apart from the fact they didn't practice on Thursday or Friday of last week and he was questionable and game time decision... One of the things Bruce Arians said yesterday, and see what happens when you're placed under stress and you're forced to answer questions when you don't really want to, sometimes in your effort to navigate the stress of the moment, the truth pops out of your mouth. And he mentioned it yesterday, and he probably regrets saying it, that Mike Evans and Antonio Brown were on a pitch count. Why would you have him on a pitch count? Why would you, why would you have Antonio Brown on a pitch count? Because you know he's injured. And the thing that is, is baffling to me, why does Antonio Brown have to say the magic words when he's refusing to go into the game in the second half, a couple of hours after he's had his Toradol shot? Why does he have to say, my ankle's bothering me? They already know he's got an ankle injury. They already went into the game with him on a pitch count. It's ludicrous to me that the team can sit back and say, well, he never said his ankle's bothering. Well, you know what? At some point, you need to ask him, are, is your ankle okay? Are you okay? Are you, are you healthy enough to play? I, the idea that it's on him all the time when you already know he's injured and you've already put him on a pitch count, that, that your, your shield to any scrutiny is, well, he never said anything. He doesn't need to say anything. That's what's, that's what's so astounding to me that this is broken out into this sideshow of who said what and when about whether or not his ankle was injured when they knew damn well his ankle was injured, Peter. Here's a question for you, and I don't argue with you on that count. Okay, but here's a question. Do you think it's possible that Antonio Brown was upset at halftime over not getting opportunities? Yes. Over yes. not getting balls thrown to him? Okay. Thousand percent. So do you think do you think in the twenty to thirty minutes between the time that he was really upset at halftime? And the time that he refused to go in the game, do you think in that 20 to 30 minutes that his ankle got so injured that he said, I can't play anymore? In other words, he goes from being angry and wanting the ball more to saying 20 to 30, to whatever it is, 30 minutes later to saying, I can't play, I'm hurt. I mean, does that, is that logical to you? It's not logical to me. Well, Here's, here's what I think happened. What I think happened is his intense desire to reach those incentives that he believed he probably would earn across the board when he signed that contract because no professional athlete operates under the assumption he's going to suffer an ankle injury that's going to knock him out for 10 weeks and, well, seven, and you throw a three-game suspension on top of it. He was agitated, frustrated, motivated to hit those numbers. He's got an ankle injury. He decided, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to play. I'm going to shoot this thing up with Toradol. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to play. I'm going to gut through this. I'm going to play through pain. You know, we, 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 we regard that as a badge of honor in every other instance. I'm going to play through pain. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to run my routes. And we're playing the, the Jets for crying out loud. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to put on a show just like I did last week when I had 10 for 101. And Tom Brady targeted me 15 times. I expect more of the same. Let's get this machine going. Let's make some more money. Let's go do it. And by halftime, he's thinking, what the hell's going on? I'm running my routes and I'm open. 
and they're not throwing me the ball. And, and, and it builds and it builds and it builds. And, and yes, it's Antonio Brown. It builds and it builds and it builds and it implodes. And, uh, and you know, was his ankle bothering him when it was time to go back in the game? Probably was, but it was probably bothering him the whole game. He could have played through it. He chose to play through it when he was under the false impression that he was going to get the ball thrown his way a lot. He chose to stop playing through it when it was clear to him that he wasn't going to get the ball his way. So was his ankle bothering him at the time? Yes. Was it bothering the whole game? Yes. He got to a point where he said, I'm done with it. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but that's my way to try to make sense of what happened. He had an ankle injury that he was committed to playing through when he thought he was going to get the chance to hit his numbers. After a half of football and he realized, I ain't getting that chance, that's when the AB that we saw the latter days of Pittsburgh, pretty much his entire time with Oakland, and after he got cut by the Patriots and went on a social media rampage, that's when that Antonio Brown... Mr. Hyde came out from a guy who had been Dr. Jekyll for most of his time in Tampa Bay. I mean, you could well be right. I think it doesn't matter. I think his actions speak louder than any explanation, any alibi for Antonio Brown we can think of. Look at how bad his ankle is there. Look, it, oh my God. His but ankle, Peter, come on. You've been covering football 35 years. on it. Peter, there's Can't a big difference between running on it. I, there's there's a big difference between jogging off the field and making those hard cuts and change of direction that you have to make to get open. As I an believe NFL that receiver. you're there's right, Mike. I believe that you're right, Mike. Antonio Brown has lost all benefit of any doubt. He just has. I don't believe him. I just don't believe him. <laughs> you know, it's I, over. I, I, it's over. I will go away. Go away. <laughs> I will cap this conversation with something I said earlier in the week as it relates to both Antonio Brown and the Buccaneers. As the priest once said to Elaine Bennis and David Putty, you're both going to hell. The blame is everywhere on this one. It was handled poorly by the team. It was handled poorly by Antonio Brown. And now it's over. And we'll find out at some point whether or not anyone shows any interest in a very short-term arrangement with Antonio Brown aimed at reaching the ultimate prize of getting to the Super Bowl and winning it. When we return, the ultimate individual prize in the National Football League is to be the most valuable player. A little bit more on a controversy involving one voter who won't vote for that guy, Aaron Rodgers, only because he's the biggest jerk in the league. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I think he's a bomb. I think he's an absolute bomb. He doesn't know me. I don't know who he is. No one knew who he was probably until yesterday's comments, but... I mean, to, and I listen to the comments, but to say he had his mind made up in the summertime, in the offseason, that, you know, I had zero chance of winning the VP, in my opinion, should exclude, you know, future, future votes. Um, you know, his problem isn't with me being a bad guy or the biggest jerk in the league. Because he doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know anything about me. I mean, I've never met him. I've never had lunch with him. I've never had an interview with him. 
Um, his problem is I'm not vaccinated. There is much that I disagree with in what Aaron Rodgers said, but I do agree that Habarkas should not have a vote, given that he admitted that he considers factors that shouldn't be considered. However, the Associated Press, according to Barry Wilner, their lead NFL writer who is responsible for putting together the 50-person panel that votes on all of the awards that have become the official NFL awards that are handed out every year at the NFL Honors, Wilner told the Chicago Sun-Times, we're not going to throw out Hub Arkish's ballot. For MVP, because the word valuable is judgmental, it would be unfair and unwise for us to set any parameters for that award. We can't tell people how to think about what they consider most valuable. Peter, my initial reaction to that is, hey, you can and you should, and you can have a certain amount of discretion, but there has to be limits on your discretion, especially if there's only 50 voters. And if you have somebody who makes it clear that he's going to consider off-season behavior, behavior that happens when people are completely shut down and away from football weeks, if not months before the season actually begins, that's beyond the pale. That falls beyond the boundaries of what it means to be the MVP of the regular season. Not the preseason, not the offseason, not training camp, not March. It's the MVP of football season, week one to week 18. And again, if you're only going to have 50 people vote on this, I think that you have to have some guardrails on the process. And you got a guy who's driven through the guardrails and down the hill, and you're just going to look the other way. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with it, too, but I wouldn't take away Hub Arkish's vote this year. I don't think you change uh, your your rules in the middle of the game. He's got a vote this year. Let him cast his vote this year. I would not have him on the panel after this year. And I'll tell you why. You know, in the 40s and 50s, uh, the, the best hitter in baseball was a guy named Ted Williams. And the year that he hit 406, he didn't win the MVP. And one of the reasons he didn't win the MVP is that he hated the writers in Boston. And as legend goes, many hated him. And the last thing they would do is justify uh, any greatness of Ted Williams by honoring him. And so that is what, in my opinion, when I heard Hub Arkish's comments the other day, about uh, I'm not going to uh, vote for Aaron Rodgers, la-di-da-di-da, for all these reasons that had nothing to do with him as a football player, okay? I, I just thought this is, this reminds me of Ted Williams in the 40s. You know, when, when there were members of the sports writing fraternity who hated Ted Williams, so they wouldn't vote for him for the MVP, when he was the last player to hit 400. Now, we didn't know it in 1941. Nobody knew that that was going to be the last time that happened. But I guess I would just say, Mike, you know, our job, okay, and I'm one of the 50 voters, our jobs are very, very simple. And that is vote for the best player or vote for the most valuable player that you see for his performance on the field. There, there should be no consideration whatsoever for how you feel about a player. Look, I'm on the Hall of Fame committee too. Everybody said, ah, you hate this guy. You hate that guy. I could give two craps whether what I feel about a guy. I don't care. I don't care. Do you think I go to lunch with Terrell Owens? No. Do you think I like Terrell Owens? Not particularly. Did it have one scintilla of a factor in what I voted for for the Hall of Fame? No. I supported Terrell Owens every year because he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. And I will cast my MVP vote by noon next Wednesday, and I will do it without regard to the fact that I think Aaron Rodgers and any starting quarterback in this league that, doesn't, that isn't vaccinated Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins is making a huge mistake. And not just because you're not doing the best thing for you uh, medically. It's because you basically, before the rules changed from a 10-day period where you had to be away to now five days per the CDC. If you test positive for COVID on Friday, 
and there's a 10-day period where you're out, you miss two games. That easily could prevent your team. The quarterback by far is the most important player on a team. That could prevent your team from making the playoffs. And look, say whatever you want about how the Vikings, would they never would have won at Lambeau Field last week. I don't think they would have won either. Who gave them a better chance to win? Kirk Cousins or Sean Mannion? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to even debate this. And so I believe that if you are the starting quarterback of the team, no matter what you feel personally, uh, I, I believe very strongly that because you hold such a position of influence on your team that it's different from the special teamer who says, or the, the nickel corner who says, I'm not getting vaccinated. I don't believe in it. It's just different. And anybody who says it isn't different is, is fooling themselves. Well, and the difference here is the Packers with Aaron Rodgers after he returned from missing the week nine game against the Chiefs. When we finally got, we thought, Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes, it got derailed by that positive test result because as an unvaccinated player, tested every single day, Rodgers and Wentz and Cousins and every other unvaccinated player have been all year long. I remember saying at the time when the question came up, oh, they're not going to vote for him for MVP. Now it's like, well, no, he may not win the MVP because the Packers may not be the number one seed in the NFC. If the Buccaneers are the number one seed in the NFC, Tom Brady's probably going to be the MVP. It's harder to be the MVP if you're a quarterback of a team that isn't the number one seed. Your numbers have to be off the charts to supplant the two quarterbacks from the teams that finish with the top seeds, one in each conference. And problem solved. Packers are 13-3, and three, and very well, if not likely, will end 14-3, and three, notwithstanding the fact that one of those losses came when Aaron Rodgers was gone because he tested positive on a Wednesday, missed a game, came back just in time for the following game against Seattle, and they won, and they've kept winning. And he's earned the MVP in my regard. I know you can't technically say who you're going to vote for. That's the rule that Hub Arkish apologizes for violating. He spoke publicly about his plans. He has no reservations, no qualms, no apologies, no regret for believing that Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be the MVP for reasons other than his performance on the field. And see, Peter, where we disagree on this, we're on, we're on the same page as it relates to Hub Arkish's qualifications going forward. The votes haven't been cast yet. If you've disqualified yourself in advance, then, then they should take the vote. I don't know why they wouldn't take the vote. I mean, if you would come out and say something ludicrous about your plans for your vote, I would expect the AP to take him away. If you said you were gonna you were gonna vote for a Sean Mannion for MVP because of how he bravely went into the game on Sunday night, only two days after coming off the COVID list, or some other cockamamie explanation, there's a point where it's it's so far beyond the discretion that reasonably can be exercised that you just have to say this person has made it clear to us that they're not fit to be a voter. And I think Hub Arkish has made it clear through his comments he's not fit to be a voter. So why wait until after this round of voting? They could plug somebody else in. There's only 50 votes. They could throw a rock and hit somebody else who's more qualified to cast the ballot. Why won't they do it? That's what is going to cause the, the final vote. And maybe it's going to be 49 votes for Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. Maybe there's others who feel like Hub Arkish does. And maybe those others have now been put on notice. You better be careful. You better not vote for any guy for reasons other than what he did on the field. This actually may help Aaron Rodgers, that he may get more votes for MVP because others who may have been tempted to do what they did to Ted Williams back before we both were alive, uh, those folks may not do it now. Look, about the, um, the worthiness of MVP candidates this year, in my opinion, I think you could easily justify for voting. I, I, could, I could justify four people uh, getting, getting my vote. Number one, Tom Brady. Number two, Joe Burrow. Number three, Aaron Rodgers. Number four, Cooper Cup. Okay? And the reason why I mention all of those people is that every single one of them has done something this year that to me is bordering on, on unbelievable. You know, Tom Brady bringing his team uh, back again through a huge number of injuries, <clears throat> leading the NFL 
in passing yards and in touchdowns. <clears throat> and forget how old he is. I don't think that's a factor at all. But in his performance, he's vitally important to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They'd be 6-10 and 10 without him right now. Maybe 5-11. and 11. I, I, I don't even know. But And then Joe Burrow. I mean, coming off an injury and coming back to play as well as he had to sweep the Ravens and the Steelers, to beat the all-powerful Kansas City Chiefs on a huge winning streak, to win the, the AFC North. That's huge. Cooper Cup, with all of his incredible numbers and how vitally important he's been to every part of the Rams' offense. And then, obviously, Aaron Rodgers. Two things. You know, after the debacle of his first game of the season against New Orleans, you know, what's incredible to me is that a quarterback can go through whatever it is, 15 games, you know, and have uh, 35 touchdowns, two interceptions. And the other part of Rodgers' value is we saw what happened when he wasn't there. They were absolutely feeble, toothless without him against Kansas City when they had to play as backup. And that alone should not in any way decide who's the MVP because who knows, if Blaine Gabbard plays against Team X, I, I can't tell you that it would be a whole lot better. All I'm saying is that we saw it all year with Aaron Rodgers, and, and who knows? I've got a vote by next Wednesday. I've got a decision to make, but I'll be conscientious in making that decision. Yeah, you're not going to make that decision based upon the fact that he's not vaccinated. You're not going to make that decision based upon the fact that he created a mess for the Packers, or at least he contributed to it because the Packers had some blame as well. But the offseason drama, that doesn't matter. The vaccination immunization distinction, that doesn't matter, even though I'm sure we both believe that he was not truthful in his use of the term immunized, that has nothing to do right. with his performance on the field. And that, that's my concern, Peter. When you have a voter who has flat out said, I am going to consider inappropriate factors in my decision-making process, that to me should prompt the Associated Press to spring into action and say, we can't let this guy vote. How is our award supposed to have any credibility if we know there's a voter, if we're on notice there's a voter who is not going to, to use a fair and reasonable interpretation of what it means to be valuable. That, because the way that Wilner explained it to Chicago sometimes, whatever word you, whatever, hey, valuable is whatever you choose. You got one of the 50 votes. You can de determine what that word means to you however you want to do it. That, that, uh, there has to be a limit to how you interpret that phrase. And he's so far beyond it. That's why I'm saying, and I know that's a strong statement to make, but that's okay. He made a strong statement about Aaron Rodgers. I'll make a strong statement about him. He shouldn't have a vote. He shouldn't have a vote. And I don't know why they wouldn't take it away. If they won't take it away now, they'll never take it away for anybody. Um, I disagree with that. You know, very quietly. Preemptively, I mean. That list, Preemptively. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at that list, and I, I don't really, I, I can't answer how much... I see different people on that list almost every year. I have no idea why one guy or one woman went away and someone else was added. I, I, don't, I don't have any idea. Uh, this will get a lot of attention. If Hub Arkish is not on the list next year, it will get a lot of attention because people will assume, rightfully so most likely, that it was done because they don't want somebody who preordains, uh, you know, basically that I'm not going to vote for a guy either because I think he's a jerk or I don't like him or whatever the reason. But I just think I don't like the precedent it sets to remove somebody's vote when you're on the verge of making it. When you're, when you're six days away from making it, you say, oh, hold on, we don't like what you're saying. So in the future, what if somebody else says something that uh, such and such did a stupid thing or I... I I don't, I don't know, but to me, it sets a bad precedent of changing who votes, you know, six or seven days before the vote happens. 
I think it sets a bad precedent of letting a guy who has flat out said he intends to cast a vote that is influenced by improper factors to go ahead and cast that vote. So um, let me ask you this about the process, because you mentioned you've got four candidates and you made a good case for each of them. I still don't like the fact, and I think this is a good conversation generally because the entire AP voting process needs an enema and it needs to be overhauled because I don't like only 50 and I don't like one vote per person. Wouldn't you like to have first place, I second don't like place, third place like person. they do for the Heisman? Mike, I've written this a hundred times. You know, I think it's ridiculous to have an all or nothing. Uh, you know, at least uh, when, you, when you're in boxing... Okay, you know, you can vote for, you know, if you're in a if you're if you're uh, scoring by rounds, you can vote for 10 to 8, 10 to 9, 10 to 7, whatever, whatever it is. And and in baseball, they do the right thing. You vote for I think it's 10 MVP candidates and it's the, the vote is like 13, 10, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4 or something like that. And so to me, I would much rather be able to say. Okay, I'll put Cooper Cup here, and then right next to him, I'm going to have Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow in whatever order, okay? And all of them then will uh, get some value in the vote. And I've asked this question before, and the AP has basically come out and said, hey, listen, we wouldn't want <clears throat> someone who, got the, who, who didn't get the most first place votes to win the MVP, and theoretically, could that happen? Yes. I mean, if if Tom Brady got 25 first place votes, Aaron Rodgers got 22, but everybody who didn't vote Aaron Rodgers won, voted him number two, and a few people voted Tom Brady fifth or sixth, it, theoretically, yes, it is possible that that could happen. But to me, that isn't important enough to take away the fact that every person... I, I don't like having a tie for the MVP, for instance, okay? And it's happened when Brett Favre tied Barry Sanders. It happened when, uh, when Peyton Manning tied uh, Steve McNair. Steve McNair. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't love, I don't love that either. I don't like co-MVPs. And there wouldn't be a co-MVP almost certainly... If you had a voting system that you said, give me the top five. The Heisman Trophy's been doing first place, second place, third place for as long as I've been paying attention to it. And there's never been a situation that I can recall where the winner didn't also have the most first place votes. Never, ever. Yeah. I, I don't think it would happen. I think it's an unfounded fear. I think they just don't want to change. You know, we get these stodgy old institutions that just don't want to change. And... The, the 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 reason that I think they need to take this more seriously than they otherwise should is because the NFL has attached the shield to these awards. And I asked the NFL earlier this week for comment about, oh, it wouldn't be appropriate for us to comment on these procedures. Well, you've made them your official awards. You, you change the vibe. It's one thing for the Associated Press to say our MVP is Aaron Rodgers or Cooper Cup or whoever. It's another thing when the trophy has a big, giant, brass... NFL shield on it. It's handed out at an awards show called the NFL Honors. To the average person, it's the NFL handing out that award, not the Associated Press or any other news organization. That, to me, makes it even more important that the AP have the best voters, the right number, and the right process to ensure that the outcome is always fair. And I like the fact that other people who had special seasons are going to get consideration just by virtue of the final numbers. Because you'll see Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Cooper Cup, Joe Burrow, their names will all be in that final top four, top five. And, right. and, and that's just recognition that I think is fair for them to get instead of the possibility that it's 49 votes for Aaron Rodgers and one for Tom Brady and no mention of anyone else. You know... The other part of this that I think is just, I don't know if I'd call it fair, but it is ridiculous. And again, I'm not, I can go back through every single year and say, I've never voted for Russell Wilson for the MVP. And I could easily justify 
in his 10 years in the NFL, this, this being the 10th, never having voted for him. But it does seem a little bit preposterous that among the 500 votes that will be cast by next Wednesday in Russell Wilson's 10 years in the NFL, that he never got a single vote for MVP despite his greatness in his first decade in football. And that would be eliminated, obviously, if you had one through five. Because Russell Wilson, there's a couple of years where he probably would have finished second or third, you know, because of how great a career he's had. That's another part of it I don't like. And I think, now, am I right in saying Breeze has only won it once? He never won it. He was never the MVP. He was offensive oh, he never player won. of the year I'm once sorry. or twice. He was never the MVP. Yeah. Then, you know, and that's another thing that just seems absurd. And I'm not saying you could go back in any year. <clears throat> I remember one time, it was New Year's Eve, Mike. This was, it was either 2009 or 10. It was New Year's Eve. And the phone rings and it's Sean Payton. And he is haranguing me because <laughs> I have said, you know, I think that, uh, I think that uh, Peyton Manning is probably the MVP even though it's really close between him and uh, uh, him and Drew Brees. And I mean, you know, my wife is looking at me like, hey, you know, we got people over. Let's go get up. But, you know, you, you got to answer the phone when Peyton calls. And so the, the, the whole thing about this is it's very contentious. It is it's very, very close. I can tell you, whoever I vote for, I really wish that I uh, that that there was a top five, especially this year where there isn't a free and clear MVP, in my opinion. Hopefully the silver lining in this dark cloud that emerged over the course of the past couple of days will be that the Associated Press, either on its own, pressure from within, pressure from without, pressure from the NFL, through the back channels, will consider a range of potential improvements to the process. And I think it's in the interest of the league to have more names that are attached to the MVP award. You have one who wins it, and you have second place, third place, fourth place, whatever. And that becomes something that that guys can get proper recognition for having a great season, that Russell Wilson would have been mentioned coming in as the first runner-up for the MVP voting twice in his 10-year career. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to have a broader base of acknowledgement for some of the greatness that we see every year? And it is hard to draw lines between this guy and this guy and this guy. So let's do one, two, and three or some other weighted system that gives people more consideration. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, we're going to look into our crystal ball. Speaking of Russell Wilson, for him and for others, what will happen when the offseason begins officially for 18 teams on Monday? More PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.